0: How do you tell if the stage is level? Drool comes out of both sides of the drummer's mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to pick on drummers. Cue intro music.
1: (laughs) Musician Mindset is a conversation series that extracts the performance and preparation thought process from world-class musicians leaving you with wisdom and exercises to level up your musical journey. This week we have a very special guest. We know he's special because I gave my joke slot to him because he's a funny dude. We're sitting down with my friend Tom Straley, uh, an amazing guitarist who I've known for a long time, although haven't seen you for a very long time. Um, Tom, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Uh, Well, I I came to Los Angeles in 83 to be the next Steve Lukather. And uh, I've basically uh, doing full-time music, uh, session work, uh, records, TV, film. I write music for TV. I write, uh, I'm a songwriter. I write with different pop artists. And um, yeah, that's kind of, and I'm a YouTube star. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Not really. I want to not talk yet. To you about that. there. No, you are, man. You, are. you have your own YouTube channel. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What does it cover? Uh, well, originally, the reason I started doing my YouTube channel was um, I'd stopped teaching lessons. I taught for 35 years. From from the age of about 15, um, I, I was teaching private guitar lessons, and it paid a lot of bills through a lot of years and a lot of lean years. And um, uh, and so I'd kind of developed this pedagogy of just being able to get, you know beginners to to uh, to get better and I had had intermediate students and even some advanced students and so I just started once I stopped teaching lessons I started doing YouTube videos just to get those things out of my head the way I taught a certain thing and put it up there
2: mm-hmm.
0: and everything from jazz stuff to uh, music theory things to to uh, modes pentatonics things like that as well as... Storming patterns. And I had done clinics in the nineties for Maranatha music. So I was traveling all over the country doing that. So I kind of got comfortable in front of people speaking and teaching. And, uh, um, so that's, I just kind of felt like I was continuing that, mm-hmm. but it was just me and a camera, a really mm-hmm. bad, my early videos are awful. I'm using the iMac video and audio. And, and even my recent ones, it's like, I'm finally starting to learn how to film you know, I had the camera set on uh, all the wrong settings. And, <laughs> you know, so now I'm, I feel like I've, I've, a little bit getting a little bit a better handle on how to make it look and sound better.
2: Because
0: mm-hmm. um, some of the some of the YouTubers out there have a ama- I mean, I don't know if you know Rick Beato.
1: I love oh, him. Yeah. He's yeah. so freaking brilliant. Yeah, he's
0: yeah. just brilliant. And I love that guy. And I watch him all the time. And I watch every yeah. video he yeah. does. I
1: pretty much. What watch. makes that song great? I love those. It's a great yeah. series. You yep. know,
0: so I, I, you know, I've always got. Different series, but that's what I started doing. And then, so I kind of called it Pro Guitar Secrets. I was trying to give away some of the secrets and things like that. Mm -hmm. Instruments, cool tools, cool skills, things like that. I have different playlists that I would put videos in. Like a cool tool would be, maybe I have a a Jerry Jones electric sitar. In fact, that's one of my, I think my highest viewed um, cool tool video. Because Mm -hmm. there's not many videos out there about the Jerry Jones sitar. Um, so I did a video about that. And and so that's, you know, something more geared towards the pro. Well, then, wh- and also a lot of open tuning ones, like DadGad, OpenD, and, and introductory, mostly, not like I'm not an expert on DadGad or anything. And then um, I had one of my uh, subscribers say, hey, would you do a, a lesson, a, a video for older beginners? And so I kind of thought about it. And I had, OK, I came up with seven tips for older beginners and put that out. And my channel went from 8,000. Subscribers last February to today, I have forty nine thousand subscribers. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, all right, man. And I was telling Dave, I used to joke with my wife. You know, when I was making three dollars a month, four dollars a month, six dollars a month. You know, the I liked the, the the you know the the geometric increase in revenue it was got up to twenty twenty five, and I joked with her. I said, Hey, it gets to hundred, it will pay for my Starbucks every
2: month,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it passed that. You know, last year, uh, and so it's it's just another source of, of revenue. And it's, it's kind of shocking to me, which videos do well. And I, I have the series that I started. Um, it's another playlist that I created, uh, the business of making music and I give away all the secrets and stuff. I wish I knew at 25 that I didn't learn until I was 45. And it gets like, it's hugely unpopular. <laughs> it's got like hundreds of views, you know, wow. and, you know, and then I do this, this seven tips for older beginners and it's, a million views over wow. a million views so, so that
1: shows you your demographic yeah it yeah. does
0: and that's the YouTube um, the application that you can download for your phone there or, or just uh, you can view online uh, you know on a browser uh, the analytics are unbelievably helpful I mean they tell you where your view 50% of my viewers are from the US and that sounds like a lot but I think it's really cool that 50% of my viewers are not from the US
2: right right, right.
0: Um, and then, uh, you know, I've always been at around eight, nine, 10% women. It's usually guys. YouTube is a very much a, a kind of a, a male milieu, you know, mm-hmm. and and particularly guitar. Sure. But it's, you know, when I dress nicer and I get my hair cut, <laughs> you know, I, it gets up to 12, 13%. I'm like, ladies. Oh, okay. Yeah, the ladies like that. You know. and, my, and my age demographic is totally, you know, my age. Right. It's guys my age that can relate to it. Younger guys will always comment, they say, Dude, shut up. You talk too much. (laughs) And then I just let, because I approve all, you know, I all my comments are set for approval, so they have to pass by me. And so I go ahead and approve them all, uh, unless it's really nasty. um, And then I can ban them or block them. Um, but generally my subscribers will defend me. <laughs>
1: right. Right. They go,
0: Tom, don't change the thing. We like the, you, the way that you are, you know, I learned
1: early on not to, uh, reply or engage with the trolls and like on my YouTube channel specifically, I did a Bonham video and a guy told me to kill myself <laughs> in the comments. <laughs> and I just, I, I had already stopped replying to those kind of comments, but I didn't delete it. I just left it there. Yeah. Cause I'm like, that's yeah. a reflection on him. I, you know, that's...
0: I actually do reply to some. I do. Uh, I just like somebody says I talk too much. I said, you know, thanks, thanks for your comment. I'll say, um, uh, basically, you know, YouTube is great. There's so many great teachers out there. I'm sure you'll find one that really you resonate with. And so you then keep they a usually, positive. They, yeah, 100. Yeah, yeah. percent I keep 100 yeah. percent of my interaction online, yeah. positive.
2: Yeah,
0: Facebook, uh, just personally. Yeah, and professionally. YouTube, you know, um, uh, Instagram, all of it is. I keep it all positive. I don't ever go negative on anybody. I
2: don't.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, and almost always the person will comment back. Oh, dude, no, I really did like your video though. It was right, really important. Right, they, to-
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> they feel bad because yeah. <laughs> you're uh, being nice. they feel bad.
0: The best one I ever got was uh, I, I had longer hair and it was my older video, and I'm playing. You know, I'm doing some jazz thing or something. I forget what it was. It was somebody commented there said. I didn't know Kathy Bates played guitar <laughs> and I, I approved it and just wrote best comment ever, you know, with a period after every word Cause it was like, it made me laugh out loud. I mean, it was like, I've got pretty thick skin. So that's funny. Uh, and you got to have, if you're going to be yeah. on, on, you know, have a presence online. Yeah. And I'm not like one of those amazing shredder guys. I, you know, that you see all over Instagram that can do right. the amazing fingers. It's like, you know, I'm kind of a working man's guitar player. I do, it's rare that I need that talent, or right. that skill,
3: or anybody for anybody yeah. that's paying yeah. me.
0: Yeah, it's purely for my own enjoyment. To, and if I had all the time in the world, there'd be two things I would just be practicing, and that would be gypsy jazz and flamenco guitar, because those are the, those are the two most frustrating styles that I just love to play and mm. love to hear.
3: What's know? frustrating to you about them?
0: Well, for one thing, I study classical guitar, so classical guitar is this is very, uh, it, it's, it's internal muscles. It's, it's the inside of your hand, palm of your hand. Okay. You're grabbing, you know, and, and I could do that. And I, I got, that's what was my major was in college. And I played in a lot of weddings and I played a lot of coffee shops and things like that. I wrote a lot of music. And, um, and then I started studying flamenco and it's all external, you know, the rasciados are all, and it's like, I play for three minutes and my hand's on fire. It's just like, oh my gosh, mm. I got to take ibuprofen before I practice. It's just that mm. bad. But it's – and it's all groupings of five, you know, two, you know, like one of the rascados is even fives. So it's like one, mm. two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, you know. And and once when I finally started to get some of those things, it was like when you made those big advances when you're 13 years old and you go – I couldn't do this last week, and it was that kind of thing. When you're in your 40s and 50s, you're kind of like those victories are few and far between. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really fun to learn something new. And the same thing with gypsy jazz. It's I try to do a lot of two finger fingering because that's what Django did. Mm-hmm. And a lot, if you were trying to play his stuff, you know, you you almost have to just use two fingers because it's you, if you use four fingers, they get in the way of each other for his specific lines. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have
0: a book of transcriptions that has it fingered both ways. Oh wow! Um, yeah, with two fingers and for four fingers. Um, cause he, he burned his, I don't know if you know about Jenga. I don't know Yeah. Jenga Reinhardt's like the father of gypsy jazz. And he, on his wedding night when he was 18 years old or 16 years old, he was, he was already an amazing star in France for guitar. And his wife his you know, bride, they, um, uh, she sold cellophane flowers. They were gypsies and they lived mm. in a caravan and th- their caravan was full of cellophane flowers. On their, honey, on their wedding night, they went into the caravan and they lit a bunch of candles and it caught the cellophane on fire. And the place up went up like a Roman candle. And he barely escaped with his life. He spent, I think, six months in the hospital. Wow. And his whole left side was burned and his two fingers were fused together. And oh. he's one of the most amazing guitar players you ever heard. I <laughs> mean, so insane. Wow. And to sit there and listen to him just go. And, it, you know, anybody who says, oh, you know, I don't have – I can't – I don't think I could ever get this down. Or, I, you know, my fingers are too short or my fingers are too fat or whatever, I say – Check out Django. Um, you know, I even did a video. It's mm. one of my newer videos, and it's climbed. And it was, uh, um, I think it was tips for people with smaller hands. And it's not fair, because I even say mm. it in the video. It's not fair. I got big hands. Uh, but I, I give all sorts of tips for people with smaller hands. You know, mm. And I, I, I list. Andy Summers has small hands. Mm-hmm. Angus Young had small hands, or mm-hmm. has small hands. Uh, there are a bunch of guitar players that have small. You know, what you would consider small hands. And they don't have any problem playing. Right. So
1: I really, out a way to make it work. Yeah, and yeah. I really
0: try to make my channel, my YouTube channel in particular, uh, kind of an encouraging vehicle.
2: Mm-hmm. Try
0: to encourage people. So yeah. mostly encourage them to watch me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the, you know, there's there's many ways you can monetize. Um, you can put ads in the middle now. If you got like a 20 minute video, if you want to put a break, I don't do that. Right. I just do the skippable ones. And I do not put the banner ads. I would make more money if I had the banner ads, but my hands are right there. Oh, and man. I want guys having to hit the little X, you know, to close that banner ad while they're watching my hands. Mm-hmm. So I definitely don't monetize as much as I could. Uh, That's a good
1: tip for someone starting, though, that you could frame your video in such a way that I was you just allow thinking some that. space at the bottom. I could. I was just I thinking that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. I could That's totally good. do that. That's a good insight. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And so um and I, that's kind of one of the things I'm learning to do now too is to zoom in on my hands. I try to do as little editing as possible like what you are hoping not to have to do with this podcast. Mm-hmm. So no, we if, won't.
2: We yeah. won't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Even if I say <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Go ahead. It'll, yeah, it'll be right there. <laughs> I'm just
1: kidding. But on, you were saying your most viewed video is uh is it 7 tips 7 tips for older beginners? Beginners. Yeah. Um what what do you actually talk about? Cause we were talking about that before we started right. recording. And I think that's applicable to oh, even beginners and well, to, to of to any anybody
0: instrument or any sport really. But one of one of the big things, you know, one of the first tips was um, uh, practice seven or five minutes a day,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, or at least psychologically plan on five minutes a day. If you say, okay, I got to practice an hour every day. You're never going to practice. It's like going to the gym. You know, if I have to go, if I, if I say, oh, I'm going to go to the gym, you know, for an hour, it's, you know, half hour to get ready and go, get there, hour workout, half hour getting home, take a shower, whatever. You know, it's a two-hour time. You know, you, if you're busy, you, you got kids, you've got a life, you're just not going to be able to do it. I mean, there are people that can, and I hats off to them. Um, but with, with the guitar, if you're thinking you got to do an hour every day, um, you're probably not going to pick it up, especially if it's you're a beginner and it's not a lot of fun. So I just say, hey, pick it up for five minutes every day and then let that turn into 10, 15, or 20.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then one of the other videos is, is like keep guitars out. Like hang hang one in your office. Have a guitar in your office. Have a guitar. Um you know, ready to go so that, so that you pick it up. And I, I was telling Dave earlier that, you know, I get grief for that one because like I said, we'll say, well, you know, in my, in my hometown, you know, the climate's so dry, a guitar would yeah. just totally fall here, apart. Here we
3: go with that. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, come it's on, excuses, man. Yeah, excuses. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's like, you know, yeah, I kind of, my, my, my argument there is, is look, I mean, I know it's, it's a little unfair for me to say, well, you can just buy another guitar. If I've, I've been playing for, for almost 50 years, I've never had a guitar dry out yes. or collapse or anything. And I, I bought my main classical guitar had a, two huge cracks on the top, totally dried out, and I bought it in the 80s, and I'm still using it every day. You know, so it's not. Yeah, I, I've not, I mean, I've I've seen it happen, but it's not not a big issue for. You'll get comments on this because of that statement, mm-hmm. but um, you can always, <laughs> you know, it's just. I mean, which is better, being a good guitar player or having a, a guitar in great shape in your closet?
3: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's your choice. Yeah, man. Yep.
0: And that's so true of everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of some of the other suggestions I made, but um, yeah, it's 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 definitely was just one of those videos I had no idea was going to take off like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then my open tuning ones tend to do really well, too. Yeah. So. And then I, I, t- I sometimes will take, you know, film some sessions and things like that to give people some insight of what I, what I do. Yeah. When I, you know, um, I've done some, I film sometimes at home. I, almost all of my sessions I do from home, 95% of my sessions. Yeah, that's great. It, it is, but y- you've been around long enough where um, being a session musician used to be a collaborative communal thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so the people like the reason the musician's joke even exists is because guys had to be able to hang out. Cause I always say studios are like casinos. They don't have windows or clocks. Yeah, exactly. And you gotta be. <laughs> for the you same
1: got, reason. You yeah. got,
0: yeah. 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 For the same reason. Yeah. And you've got to be willing, you gotta be the kind of person that can be, you can hang with. Yeah. It's a good hang. If you're a, you know, if you're a, uh, you know, a bump on the log, as they mm-hmm. say. Or if you're, you know, if you're just a big complainer, you're just negative, everything's negative. We nobody's going to call you. Yeah. You may be the best drummer in town, mm-hmm. but if you're no fun to be around, you're not going to get the call. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how musicians kind of develop their personality a lot of times, was just to survive. Or it may have just been an attrition thing, where wow. the people with those personalities were the ones that succeeded.
2: Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's such a solitary endeavor. Mm-hmm. I'm home alone all day, just yeah. tracking guitars. And that still sounds
1: amazing to me though. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. No. And, but I don't like people. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah. My wife would be actually, we're the opposite. My wife, yeah. I'm like the social, you know, like, <laughs> right.
2: oh, do,
0: and she's all like, I just want to read a book, you yeah. know? So, uh, but it's, it is good. And every, every single time I go to a session, invariably there's four or five people that want my number. It's like, where have you now? Did you just move to town? You know, I've never heard of you, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so I love doing, I mean, I just did last week. I, I, uh, I coached um, an actor for a TV show on a new TV show, Disney's producing um, and Hulu uh, on Hulu. And um, I got to meet the lady that was a music supervisor and we started talking and uh, you know, it was uh, thinking about this podcast and what kind of takeaways you know would I want people to have well one of the things don't let an opportunity pass you by I mean don't don't be constantly handing out your cards and pitching yourself and all that but we the music supervisor and I had a great conversation and after and I told her I said you know I have a lot I do a lot of source music and she goes really and she goes oh yeah I could I could I write source music for a lot of TV shows and movies and then I write a lot of library music and she goes, oh yeah, we need to, you know, send me some demos. And I said, of oh, course, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm putting together some stuff to send her, mm-hmm. you know. And some of it's going to be the Django stuff. I love doing in classical stuff and even flamenco. Um, I, I love doing uh, like when I'm writing music, I, I I love to write stuff I can't play,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so that I have to work it up. I mean, think about all of the classical compositions that you hear that you go and pay money to hear. And it has the word etude before it. Mm-hmm. It was a study. It's a piece now, but it was a study when the person wrote it. And so I, I will write a lot of pieces that I can't play so that I have to practice them and get them up and then I can play them and then I record them. Hmm. And then I have that option to be able to like, oh, you need classical music, classical solo classical guitar for your coffee shop
1: scene. Yep. Which are great scenes because those tend to go three or four minutes. Right. <laughs> you know, so they can kind of add up. I was just talking to a friend about this. Life in the music business is all about double dipping as much as you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's a great example of a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, probably the like my like like a plus
0: stellar version of that was I got called in to do uh, to to replace Taylor Swift's guitar on a song that she and Justin Bieber wrote, and mm-hmm. and I know Justin's vocal producer. So I
1: wanted to ask you about the Bieber thing. we'll, yeah. we'll get into that in a second. Okay, we didn't tell the story. I don't know the story. Okay, I, so I do, but go so, ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah, so so we. We, uh, I go in there and it's just me and the producer and the engineer, and and listen to Taylor's guitar and it's just three chords, uh, but great song. I mean, just a really good lyric. I mean, she just killed it. And Justin was like fifteen, sixteen, I think, at the time, mm-hmm. and he's twenty-five now. So, um, and uh, so I took her very simple strummed guitar thing and turned it into like a vibe. Mm-hmm. Like I created this vibe and and did like a feel. And and it's the same three chords in the A section and then the chorus and the bridge was also that. And I went, you know, how about if we did this and I played and, and the producer went, Yeah, that's great. So I, I rewrote the bridge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was trying to be helpful, but what happened was I ended up getting a writer credit for two there of the biggest go. stars in the world, right? There, go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so so my friend, the producer, calls me back. Calls me the next morning, and he says, "Hey Tom, what are you doing today?" And I said, "Whatever you tell me you're, that I'm doing, <laughs> yeah. I'm, that's what I'm doing." Yeah. And he says, "Well, can you come in again?" I said, "Sure." He goes, um, "He he said, uh, he said I uh, uh, th- they loved your bridge, but they want it back the way it was."
2: Yeah. Wonder why. Yeah. Dang it, dang yeah. it.
0: You know, and it wasn't for because they wanted to make all the money. It wasn't yeah. anything like that. But they they sincerely liked what I did. Mm-hmm. And, um and another one of those opportunities arose later so that I got a bridge credit on some other song um, but um I go in I replace my guitar and then he also said bring your electric rig because I want to put some electric on here and I want you to put a like an eight bar guitar solo and I said okay this isn't like beat it this is not 1983 I mean you know <laughs> nobody puts guitar right. solos on pop songs anymore and he goes okay now it's 16 bars oh, no. <laughs> I'm like dang it <laughs> so I, I I show up with my rig and I'm I'm, uh, uh, I'm playing some like you know clean stuff on top of the guitar's acoustics that I laid down we, I double track the acoustics and I added high strung do you know what high strung is uh
3: high-strung guitar, mm-hmm. like with like higher strings. Yeah, you, yeah,
0: yeah. So the bottom four strings are up an octave. You mm-hmm. put skinnier oh, strings cool. on. So it's kind of like the high set from a 12-string set. It sounds really cool. I'll, a lot of times when I'm doing like country or pop or whatever, I'll double the acoustics and go left and right. Mm-hmm. And then I'll put a high-strung in the middle and just barely sneak it in there. So it just brightens up everything. Oh, mm-hmm. cool. And it just has this really nice effect. So if I double what I played, it's just kind of a cool trick. And uh, so, I, you know, now now we're getting ready to the producer once, you know, saying, hey, let's do the guitar solo. And I'm, I'm like, OK. And all of a sudden, this big guy walks in. I'm like, who's this guy? And he looks around. <laughs> he kind of scopes me out. He's like, OK. And he walks out. And then in comes Justin with his mom and his grandparents. And I'd never met him at that point. You know, I had, I had only played on like a couple other tracks of his. And I hadn't, had yet to meet him. And it was so funny because he's like – is I I had just watched Never Say Never, the movie he did. And uh like the week before, because cause you know my friends were working with him and I figured, well, I should get to know this kid better. And it was amazing. I mean, unbelievable. Uh there's a great scene in that movie where like uh Scooter takes Justin to, to see Taylor Swift at uh, Madison Square Gardens, is like, she's doing like five nights in a row or something like that. And and, and he's telling Justin, you're going to be here next year doing it. And, and a year later, he's doing like eight nights in a row at Madison Square Gardens, wow. And his dad is out in the audience just going, how's my 13 year old or 15 or whatever, how old he was like, how can he do that? It's like, he's entertaining. All these people yeah. are just eating it up. You know, it's like, his dad was just like, I don't know how this happened.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's really amazing. And so in walks Justin and i just seen this movie and I see his mom and I just give her a big hug and she's like <laughs> a little tiny thing and she's just laughing and the and the the, the, guard, the uh, security guards kind of looking at me like, uh, but, but <laughs> then, you know, because I knew the producer and everybody else in the room, they, they were like, oh, okay, he's cool. And, and so so between me and the producer and Justin, we wrote the solo for the song. And, uh, uh, you know, in fact, my friend, the producer said, hey, start on this note up here. Like, wait. Starting the highest note? Wait, I got nowhere to go. <laughs> I got 18, I got sixteen bars.
1: <laughs> the like, whole no, no. solo I'm, just goes down and gets quieter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like I got three I got three tools. I can get higher, louder, and faster. Right. And you, you I'm just
2: giving up Down two to of two. Them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we do this thing and you know, so I do the solo and then, you know, my producer friend would sing a line and then I would play it. And then Justin would go, how about this? And I would play that. And we pieced together a solo, you know, and it, it actually was, it was actually pretty cool. It started on that really high when, beat uh, What song was that? Never came out.
1: Ah, oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, so you know, ended up working with him through your producer friend yeah. and through doing the Taylor Swift session that he was part of?
0: Yeah, he, well, he and Taylor Swift wrote a song together. Okay. Um, it, it came out of um, that when they brought back that TV show punk
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Justin was the first, like punker, mm-hmm. and he punked Taylor, and um, and the premise was, hey, come out to my house in Malibu, and we'll write a song, and that was how he got her out there. Mm-hmm. And then they punked her with this thing <laughs> where they were shooting. You can look it up on YouTube, but they were shooting like bottle rockets off into the off into the ocean. And they're hitting this button on this pad. And every time they hit it, a bottle rocket takes up. And Taylor shows up. And, and she, Justin's like, hey, hit a button. And she goes, no, no, I don't want to. And he goes, no, no. Just, look, watch. He hits a button. The, the rocket goes. And she goes, OK. So she hits a button. And a rocket really goes. And it hits this boat where there's a <laughs> wedding and it catches on fire and like the bride and groom jump off and the, the pastor are all swimming ashore. Taylor's Taylor is just crying. She thinks and that was she's all like,
1: part of the setup. It's
0: all part of the setup. And so they, and then just, just to finish the day off it had nothing to do with the show. They went ahead and wrote a song and that was a the song they wrote. Oh, and that's why I came in the next day. They were in Malibu, but I came in the next day to Henson. We were in Henson mm-hmm. in Hollywood.
1: And, uh, and that's when we met, did the tracks. And so when they asked for that guitar solo, did you think that you were being punked? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I was looking for camera. Like something's going to blow up when I do this. Yeah. Right? yeah.
0: <laughs> it was totally like that. And, uh, and so w- what was funny is I, I, I thought I, that, that day I burned a bridge, you know, I was like, Justin was sitting on the console, you know, just like, the, you know, this $2 million console he's <laughs> sitting on and, uh, and his mom's sitting right next to him, and I say, you know, Justin's like, he's, he's one of those kids that I had students like this that could learn anything just by watching somebody,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, like you never skateboarded before, you throw a skateboard down, you know, whatever. He's one of those kids, it's ping pong, you just watch us play ping pong, all of a sudden he's like killing everybody. Wow. You know, and drums. He can play drums and piano I've seen a bit. some videos of him
1: playing drums, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah he did a drum off with yeah. Uh, uh, Questlove. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I saw. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty he's awesome. good, man. Yeah, he's yeah, good. Yeah, he's
1: like pretty good
0: kid. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he plays guitar a little bit. He's lefty. And uh, so he's staring at my hands. And I'm joking with him. You know, I'm like, I mean, he doesn't know I'm joking. Because I'm like... I'm like older than dirt in this room. you know, like, there's (laughs) no one as old as me in this room. Well, his grandparents are there. So I'm actually younger than his grandparents. You got that. And yeah. (laughs) yeah. And so uh, I'm like, "Uh, dude, you're making me nervous. And he's like, and I'm, you know, staring at my hands and I was joking and his mom laughed. But Justin, God bless his little heart. He got up (laughs) and sat behind me because he thought he was making me nervous. And I thought, oh no, did I, you know, totally burn a bridge? (laughs) <laughs> but, and I, for, for a few sessions, I was, hey, call that guitar guy.
1: Right. And, you know, yeah, you ended up doing a lot with him, right? I've
0: done a lot, yeah. Do yeah. yeah. you still work with him? Yeah, or? still working with him, cool. right? Yeah, yeah. As, as recently as this week. So, I mean, you know, from home, remotely doing yeah. stuff, they send me some tracks or whatever they want guitars done on or writing, I'm doing a lot of writing. It's um, great. Uh, so we'll see.
2: Yeah. You
0: know, I did five, I wrote five songs on a record that he and Cody Simpson did that never came out.
2: Hmm.
0: You know? Uh, it's, I, I, the pop stuff is all icing on the cake for me. The TV, you know, my biggest source of income is my, te- my writing for TV you mm-hmm. know, The stuff I do for libraries and not libraries, but I write specifically for production companies. Mm-hmm. I don't write for libraries. Almost all of my music that I write gets on air, mm-hmm. which is nice. So when I'm not being paid to play, it's one of the, my takeaways I would mm-hmm. say is, yeah. is I, if I'm not, if someone's not paying me to work, I'm working for myself. So right. I literally work every day. Hmm. Yeah. You know, you go, wow, you work every day? Yeah. But like, I think the last two weeks I've only worked for myself. I don't think I, aside from coaching that one kid last week in, uh, for that
1: Disney show, um, when you say working for yourself, what exactly do you mean I'm writing music. Which will get placed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, You're doing your own thing. Yeah. I'm doing my own thing.
0: Yeah. And so, and there's no guarantee it will be placed, but I sent it to the production company and then, um, the nice thing is that they own, they own the publishing, Mm-hmm. So, th- whereas a library, they don't own the publishing. So they'd rather spend my music because they make more money off of my music than they do off of some external library company. Um, and I've I've written a little bit for libraries, but I just don't like doing it because you're, you know, uh, I mean, being agile helps. Mm-hmm. And I, I will have people call me for something they need today.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, a big library company really can't do that. There's too many moving parts. Um, and so uh, a good example is uh, another example of making, you know, looking for opportunities. I had a friend um, that moved away for a while and came back, a drummer engineer friend of mine. And he uh, he started working as an engineer for NFL Network. And he, uh, uh, I said, hey, let's write some music for NFL Network, you know, rock tunes. They love that stuff. Mm-hmm. He goes, okay. So we got in the habit. He lived in Simi Valley. I would drive out there. And uh, he had a drum kit, and he was a really good engineer, and we would write rock tunes. And I, I'd write the tunes, play bass, guitar, keys, and then he would um, play drums and mix, make it sound like a freaking record. Unbelievable. And we just start, you know, we just started knocking off bands. Not, like, literal knockoffs, but, like, let's do something in the spirit of U2. Let's do something in the spirit of yeah. Chili Peppers. Let's yeah, do definitely. something just in was close the enough of... to be legal. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't <laughs> do soundalikes. I yeah, refuse. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, but you can do stuff in the spirit. Well, you could until, you know. Right. Anyway, but still, it's not, no one would draw that. You know, I'm like doing something like Van Halen, but I mean, I'm I'm not a big enough Van Halen fan to know what Van Halen really exactly. sounds like. Right. You know. I, I did
3: one one time for NFL Network. Actually, it was yeah. in in the style of Motley Crue. Yeah. I've never played a Motley Crue tune. You know. Exactly. So like-
0: <laughs> almost, almost helps not to know. Yeah. 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 You like listen to two minute, two seconds. Go, oh, okay, I get it. You know, right. I'm like, you can do music long enough. It's like, right. yeah, I get it. Just yeah. thinking
3: Dr. Feelgood. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. okay, cool. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, yeah, we got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and I,
0: in my head, I, you said Dr. Feelgood, and I'm hearing like uh, uh, the jungle. Uh, welcome to the jungle. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the jungle. So totally, I don't even know yeah. what Monty Cruz sounds like. I watched that you, movie, though. And you're funny. not
1: in danger of it sounding yeah. too much like Monty Yeah, no, really,
0: yeah. You know, and I don't... In those situations, it's, it's rare. I, I've never heard of anybody going, "Hey, that sounds like one of my songs." Right. That's in the very far background of a TV show on motorcycles, where you can't even hear the music anyway because of right. the roar of the. And you know, when you send tracks to these, you know, these production libraries and production companies, you know, they want full mix. They want bass and drums only, mm-hmm. and so they'll do the full mix for two seconds, and then they drop it to bass and drums because of dialogue. Mm-hmm. So. Right you know, you give them all these different stems so they could do all those variations, mm-hmm. you still get paid the same amount of money. It's irrelevant. It's your, it's your tune. But right. you would never, if you heard bass and drums from some library track, you would never peg it as a Motley Crue tune. Right. So, yeah, there's not really any danger of that. It's, the danger is usually, I know, uh, heard a story about Nike, I think it was, that, that reached out to, um, they wanted Wonderwall for an yeah. uh, Oasis song. Mm-hmm. And they reached out to him and they said, yeah, that'll be one and a quarter million. And Nike said, forget it. And so they hired a guy to do, you know, right, uh, in the spirit of, right. not mm-hmm. even a knockoff, just more in the spirit of. And they got sued because there was a paper trail. They asked. Because they already knew that they were looking for that. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah,
3: but he put the capo on three and yeah, Noel plays right. it on two and, exactly. you know.
0: <laughs> exactly. And so when I'm writing, you know, like uh, if I start to write a tune um, for for almost everything I write for television is derivative. It it sounds like something, Mm -hmm. you know, it sounds like the Stones. It sounds like Tom Petty. It sounds like, you know, Guns N' Roses or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, With pop stuff, if I'm writing and I sit down and I come up with something I've never done before and I go, wait, that's kind of cool. That's what I send to my pop producers, Mm -hmm. something that I've never heard before because they're, A, particularly paranoid about... And that's one of the nice things about being old is that I go? No, that sounds too much like this or that, right. you know. And you can you shouldn't do that, or right, right. you know. I mean, that's one of the few advantages. You're yeah. kind of a musicologist by right. default,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: and um, so I, I, uh, uh, I, when I'm writing, it's it's kind of one of those things where I'm going, you know, back and forth, and and sometimes I'm writing ideas and send it to. And right now, because. Justin's in the studio I'm sending stuff just to his camp I'm not mm-hmm. sending to any other producers once the, that record comes out then I'll start spreading stuff out right. a little more but uh, I I tend to keep it kind of focused and yeah. like I said the pop stuff is just icing on the cake right. it's you really can't I haven't had a hit I mean it, you, to make money in the pop it's got to be a single right. you know
1: um, and so I you know close but yeah, you know it's yeah stuff. That's cool, man. Can you talk about how you got into um, writing specifically for the TV, uh, for the TV world, and all that?
0: Yeah, well, and that was so. Like I said, my friend that we were the habit of doing this, the the rock tunes, right? He gets a job for um, he gets a job as head engineer for a reboot of Let's Make a Deal, and it's being filmed in Vegas. And so, and they hate the head engineer. So they, he's just not doing a good job. Whoever it was, I don't know who it was. So my friend goes to Vegas and he starts working. and I, we're talking on the phone and I'm like, dude, you know, let them know we write music. Cause we'd had, at that point, we did have a couple tunes on Price is Right every now and then. And like car, uh, like when they're giving away a car or something like we a couple, you know, we get a couple spins every, every month. And, um, yeah, I could pay forty a hundred bucks for a spin on. Let's make a deal. The Price is Right, because uh, you know that's network, and it's you know it's on every day for an hour, so there's lots of opportunities and mm-hmm. game shows. So he's he goes, yeah, I don't know. I just started this sh- this show. I mean, I've only been on a job one day, and and I I said, well, let's just pray.
1: <laughs> so we,
0: I said, I just said said, so Lord, give Jeff. Uh, uh, an organic opportunity.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, not, I don't I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to, you know, we're not trying yeah. to steal anybody's gig. We're just, right. you know. he calls me the next day. He goes, you won't believe what just happened. I said, what happened? He goes, I was standing at craft services. And, <laughs> and if you don't know what, if you've not been in the industry, craft services, is the, the people that provide food for everybody. So they just set up these tables full of food and you can eat all day. It's, it's horrible. <laughs> you can just <laughs> gain 10 pounds in one day, you know, just from all the free food and M&Ms and crap. And uh, he goes. I was staying around craft services, and the uh, the producers were saying how much they hate the music on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and I he goes he goes. I told him I write music, and they said, "Really, you write music?" He Goes, "Yeah, we got a couple. I got a, I got some music on um, on Let's Make It or Price Is Right." He said, "Well, and that's the same parent company, and it's like they're that's a successful show. Right? You know, the, they're hoping to be that successful." So they're saying, you're kidding. Well, can you get us some stuff? And so, <laughs> so I kid you not, I literally did not sleep for the next next two weeks. Wow. I was in my studio writing and recording, and I listened to um, uh, Wayne Brady's album. And it was like total love for James Brown and Earth, Wind, and Fire. So I was – but but like funk was too slow for game shows. Like <clears throat> You know, you think Fred out, Al- you know, or, you know, Fat Albert. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. <clears throat> you can't have. It's got to be. It's got to be fast. So I kind of invented this like genre I called fast funk. Mm-hmm. It's like just real. And sometimes they would take the files and make them even faster, which was like, <laughs> oh, I hated hearing it so much. I didn't like, you know, particularly playing it, but it was fun. Right. And um, so Jeff would fly back from Vegas. I would pick him up at Burbank take him to his house, he would track drums, mix it, then I'd take him back to the, in the airport, he'd fly back. And it's all out of pocket. You know we're all right. like just taking time off to do this. And um, uh, we even called one of the songs "Flight 67," because that was a flight he caught <laughs> from Vegas to Burbank. to sure. you know, and, um, and they, they started spinning the songs. and I, like I was going to say, the, the, the thing was is that uh, the guy that spent the music he hired. Um, Which doesn't hurt, but if the music's not good um, and you could tell it like the tune was connecting when Wayne Brady would like sing or dance along with it or whatever, Mm -hmm. he would react to it. And if it was bad, he would also react. He goes, you know, there was somebody that was, I think, sleeping with one of the producers that had a song on a show and it sounded like a porn soundtrack. (laughs) It was awful. And he goes, what song? He stopped in the middle of the show. He goes, what song is this? Wow. Who wrote, you know, like, Don, the, during the taping, you know, and uh, it wasn't us. And so we, and, and so he, one of the things that happened, you know, so every week, you know, Jeff and I would write and record another song. And after, after that, you know, after that, and then they moved the show back to L.A. So we would write, try to keep on our once, one a week or two a week drill. And then we would send an MP3 or a WAV file. He would send a really good WAV file to the audio, the music guy. And um, meanwhile, the, the the library company would show up with a four terabyte hard drive with proprietary software that they would hook it up to the thing. And this giant software program would open up. And it was like, enter you know, Nirvana and 7,000 songs come up. Or enter hmm. you know, Happy, Nirvana, Polka, and 42 songs would come up or whatever. I mean, they just had a million writers, right? And the, the guy, his name was Brian and Brian, you know, uh, Jeff would call Brian and say, hey, did you like that? Um, did you did you like that tune we sent you a few days ago? He goes, oh, yeah, it's already been on four episodes. Wow. <laughs> and then this big library company would be calling, hey, how come you're not spinning any of our music? And <laughs> they're like, I don't have time to go through it. Right. <laughs> it's too much music. Wow, you know, and they they literally have thousands of. I mean, it was like a million songs, but written by hundreds of composers. Mm-hmm.
3: So it was the it was more of the relationship that you guys had started and the vibe you gave them that that got you the opportunity.
0: Hundred percent relationship, and also the fact that you're just. I mean, it's sometimes it advantageous
1: to be the small guy, yeah. right? You're ma- you're actually making it easier for them yeah. by limiting the choices.
0: Yeah, to and extent. he would even say, you know, I like that tune, but can you can you add some keys to it? -hmm. It's a little barren. Or can Mm -hmm. you give it a B section? Sure. Yeah. You know, and then he gets it tuned back in his mailbox, and a week later, and oh, yeah, now it's great. I'm using it every day. Wow. Yeah. Um, You know, there there was some politics and some bridge burning done um, at at some point, and that kind of went away. But Mm -hmm. it was when it was, and we had the publishing, which was crazy. Eventually, we lost the publishing because mm-hmm. you know, they didn't. They realized how much money we were making, and typically for TV, you don't get to keep your publishing.
1: Well, can you describe that to people? What that means and how that works?
0: Yeah, I mean, generally, if a, if uh, it's called a work for hire, although we weren't paid any money to write this music, so it's not technically a work for hire. But you know, even composers, film composers, TV composers, rarely do they get to keep half of their royalties, mm-hmm. and they're getting paid to compose the music for the TV show. If it's like a, a scripted television show,
1: so in other words, they're getting a upfront buyout in lieu of any back end. Well, no, they're
0: getting um, they're getting a salary an upfront salary, right. and then they keep the writers. So they get half of the. So they get. So when when BMI or ASCAP collects royalties from television use, they break it in, into halves. Half goes to the publisher, and half goes to the writer. And so, in the case of when we were writing music for. Uh, let's make a deal we were getting both halves oh i see and my friend jeff and i were splitting 50 50. right you know he was playing drums mixing he had the gig i played guitar bass keys and wrote everything Mm -hmm. um but that's fair because the hardest thing there the most difficult thing to do is get the gig that's the hardest thing sure i mean he could have worked with 10 other guitar players right you know probably you know but we just had a really good relationship that really worked very very prolific yeah um and we still have, we still have songs that play on Ellen every month, you know, mm-hmm. every few, you know, and because we did a bunch of music for for that production company on on Extra TV, mm-hmm. um, and and then so if you own the publishing, then if if your song makes if your song makes a dollar, you get the whole dollar. If the product, if the You know, Disney owns the publishing, then they're going to get fifty cents, and you're going to get fifty cents, Mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like people complain about, well, you know, my publishing deal or whatever, but I've always said, you know, in this business, if if powerful people are making money off of you, you'll be fine, right? And so you get into partnerships with people that um, uh, you know that that have the ability to take things to the next level, or have the ability to get you more work. Or whatever, then it's it's definitely uh, it's to your advantage. Mm-hmm. If you tie yourself to I'll give, I'll give you an example. Um, I you know I've written a lot of songs, and and when I first started writing the songs for my babies, I wrote the music, I wrote everything, lyrics, top line, music don't change a thing. You change a word or a lyric mm-hmm. and it's not right. It's perfect the way it is. Mm-hmm. I crafted this perfect song and I had zero success. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't until I started collaborating mm-hmm. and giving up, letting other people do the top line, which in the case of Justin, mm-hmm. Justin and I have probably written 30 songs together or more. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how many songs because they don't even send them to me when they're – because they don't like to get those out. Mm-hmm. You know, They always get leaked. Um, and so um, – I write something that inspires him, and then he'll write a top line to it, or he'll have one of his writers. Like I've written several with Pooh Bear, who's one of his main writers, and a girl named Julia Michaels, um, and a girl named Stara just wrote, and Sam Hook. So I've written with all these other kids. I mean, seriously, it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they don't seem to care. I don't understand. Oh, I told man. them, I said, "Look, we win a Grammy. I'm staying home because if you get seen with me, you'd lose all your street cred. <laughs> this is not, you know. I'll just I'll watch you on TV. You will look pretty on TV, and you will book Although if I'm up there with you, you'll look even prettier. So <laughs> there you go. In contrast,
3: I think I think there's going to be some cut in for a second. Yeah. Uh, there's there's going to be some value to the listeners uh, talking about how you went through that process of letting go. Yeah, being able to you, you carrying all the load with the songs, yeah. and then seeing the value in collaboration.
0: Uh, it, it was easy to let go. It was really, really easy to let go when you're making zero money one way, and you start to make money the other way. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's a motivation for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I've had Amway pitches. You know, I've had people come to my house to do an Amway pitch, mm-hmm. or Scientology. Well, not Scientology, but Amway was one. I forget was another one. And <laughs> it's so funny because. I don't know I don't know how I came up with the perfect out. I came up with the perfect out when someone was like, "You're so personable. You know so many people. You would make a fortune." And he goes, "Yeah, I said I would make too much money." And he goes, "Well, you, yeah, but well, yeah." I go, "No, you don't understand. If I made if I was making money over there doing that, that's what I would do. And I'd give up this thing that I love because you know and the beauty of making money in the music business is I'm still doing what I love but I get to make money at it too mm-hmm. rather than stick to my guns and go you know cuz I'm not bob dylan you know when mm-hmm. I was doing songs the thing was I wasn't usually performing them I was in bands that I was the writer and I had singers singing my songs so in one of the bands we did three records was my, with my wife
2: mm-hmm. you
0: know and so it, but to no no success at all and so it, the so giving it up wasn't that difficult or or you know letting go wasn't that difficult. Mm-hmm. Now for instrumental stuff like when I'm writing for TV and film that's all that's all me. So I do get my creative chops out that way. Uh but as far as songwriting goes uh that is for me f- it's far more likely that I'm I'm su- uh, going to be successful if I collaborate with people. And I also you know when I I I will do you know oftentimes get coffee with a young Person that wants advice on the business. And I tell them to collaborate with 10, you know, as many people as you can. Because I say, look, look, you collaborate with 10 people. You write 10 songs with 10 different people, okay? And then you this, so Dave and I write a song, right? And then you and I wrote a song. You you know, you and I write a song together, and then you write 10 songs with 10 people. And the song that you wrote over here with Harrison Mm -hmm. is a number one hit. Mm And a publisher comes to you and say, What other songs do you have? Well, I have these 10 songs. Right. Well, they listen to 10 of them and they go, Oh, this one over here is dope. So now all of a sudden, because of your connection, one of my songs that we wrote together is mm-hmm. now being pulled onto a project.
1: It's all about expanding your network. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. And yeah. now and now I've got a, a you know, publishing company coming to me and saying, Hey, what what other work do you have?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I can say, Well, I got all these t- 10 songs and oh, this one with Jason's great. Let's mm-hmm. put that one on a record. Right. You know and that's just and so um, I mean there are, there are teams I mean I'll, I'll work with a lot of the same people, but uh, that you know I just tell people look you, you you find that once you get that work that one that works, that team that works, you're probably right you'll mm-hmm. probably do a lot of collaborations and you know it, it takes a lot of people something they always joke about How, why does it take 12 people to write a pop song? It's just because everybody's you know contributing you got the producers, you got a guy doing beats mm-hmm. it's you know a pop song, that's why I love pop a lot, is because, like, I always use this as an example. If I'm going to do a country record, I know I'm going to need acoustic guitar, electric guitar, bass, drums, pedal steel maybe, or lap steel maybe, fiddle, you know, harmonica, whatever. If I'm going to do a blues record, I'm going to need a guitar, you know. If I'm going to do, you know, any, I, you can name any type of music, and you already you know what the or- orchestration is going to be. Mm-hmm. But a pop record, you have no idea what the pop records are going to sound like in 2020.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's – it's a – the re, the Grammy – the song of the year – a record of the year goes to the producer because they're the artist.
1: Right. It's the producer. They're crafting that, the sound. They're crafting yeah. a
0: sound that didn't exist before.
1: Right, right. You
0: know, um, Justin's last record, which was – gosh, came out in 2015, um, which was not believe – what was it? Uh, you probably – you wouldn't know, but um, – Anyway, he he had recorded a bunch of songs. In fact, I think his best record is Journals, which was iTunes only, and I played on a couple tracks of that. Mm -hmm. And it was very, and that's kind of where he started collaborating with Pooh Bear. And it was he was going through a lot of stuff, and it was some great lyrics, and there's some great melodies, some great production, but none of the songs were hits. It was Mm -hmm. just kind of like an iTunes only thing. He was in the middle of touring, he was in Europe writing these songs, and um, he
1: kind of turned into an E.R. after that.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: that was a Pooh Bear joke.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, you know, every every band has one of each, right? Okay, <clears throat> so, sorry, the uh, so the, the he started doing his whole record, and I'm I'll, I hear all these songs, and I'm like, wow, they, you know, these are great monster tracks, but I'm not hearing singles necessarily. And then he he does um a song, he gets asked to. Be, Record a song uh, with uh, Skrillex, and Skrillex—they have a s- smash with the song, and he retools the whole album. And uh, you know, the whole album is is totally different songs than that. It kind of like this is the sound we're going for, and, right, and base working. everything off of that one yeah, song. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of it's uh, it's kind of that kind of thing where you just don't know where you are going to be in the process. Like I played on some stuff mm-hmm. prior to that that didn't get on any records. I still got paid, but. Sure. Um, uh, it was, you know, it's disappointing to go. Oh man, yeah. none of the songs I played on came out on the record.
2: Right.
0: I did get one song on the record uh, that I wrote and played, uh, but it only came out on the Japan release. I'm like, <laughs> why? It's a bonus track on the Japan only release. I'm like, okay. But yeah, it's 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 a it's a weird business, but it's fun to be part of. And um, it, you know, the funny thing is, that, you know, for a good three or four years, that was like kids were like you play with just no way, you know? And I I would do lessons. Like I would do lessons on how to literally play the song that I wrote. Right. And I'd have like 4,000 views. And some guy that's teaching completely wrong, but he's a kid has like 800,000 views, (laughs) (laughs) totally teaching it wrong. On your song. Yeah. My song, you know, and, and, and like kids like what do you mean you wrote this song with Justin? Like the comments, like what do you, what do you mean when you say that? You can't just say that. <laughs> but that like, that's, that was like the cool, you know, that was like the coolest thing for like the, for, for years. Now the coolest thing that I do and see if Harrison knows this, I did all the guitars on apex legend. You play apex legend. I do. Not,
1: but I know a number of
0: people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, that's like, kids are like, wait, no, Really? you play all the guitars on that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that
1: a band or no
0: apex legend mm-hmm. is a game.
1: Oh, okay. Anyway. it's like, uh, if it's not a Dave Holland record, I I'm right know. there with you, man. No, I
0: do have a gig coming up that I'm playing. I never played gigs either.
1: Sorry. Oh, well, that's one of the things I want to ask you. What else you're up to? Like live gigs wise. The there only
0: thing I play every weekend at my church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for that, that's fun Cause you know, it's a, it's one of those mega churches. So it's, it's a, the lighting, and it's got all that. It's music. like a production. Yeah, something. it's a production, yeah. and it's and the players are great. Um, Walter Rodriguez is the drummer mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. weekends. Uh, Ronnie monog has been playing a little bit. Yeah, good. Um, getting him back in the game. Good. yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd have is, you play, but is, this you're, is Lake, right? Huh? This is Lake still. No, no, this is Shepherd Church. Oh, Shepherd, Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I've been there cool. for about 20 years. Oh, um, we, we haven't
1: kept up. Yeah, we haven't kept
0: <laughs> up. <laughs> well, you're always working on Sunday. I, yeah, I can hire you, but yeah, I take it your wife would be mad, you know? Right. So, uh, and I, I was listening to some of the podcasts and you're out of town a lot now. Which is
1: fun? Well, yeah, I'm not anymore, but I was. Yeah, that yeah. was fun though. I've been,
0: I've, you're, you, you, show up on my feed on my Facebook, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I just love it when people are traveling and they post pictures. I just, yeah. I love to travel. Yeah. And I've only traveled for work to Korea and Japan. I've never Europe. I've just always gone for fun. Which mm-hmm. all my musician friends are kind of envious because they're like, Yeah, I've never seen any of the stuff you get to see because yeah. I'm always like getting on a bus to go to the next thing. Yeah. Um, so I kind of actually would rather go to Europe my way. We
1: were, we were in Sweden last month. It was my first time in Sweden, and I was there for 12 hours oh. and saw my hotel room and the venue, and yeah. that was it. Yeah. And people are like, wow, you went to Sweden. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was in <laughs> Sweden. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like landing in Dallas on the way to you know New York right. or something. Exactly. Yeah, I was like pretty much, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's – and I've never been that guy, that touring musician, but I've got a gig coming up. I'm playing with this – I have a friend, uh, CJ Vanston. Do you know CJ at all? Hmm. He's uh, he's Spinal Tap's music director. Dude, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Know? Yeah, and <laughs> and CJ and I did a like one of those just pickup sessions five years ago. I think it was, mm-hmm. and it was he it was a producer that wanted this girl to to do a cover of a Jim Croce song on with an acoustic guitar and acoustic piano. And it was like, it was an obscure cut song I'd never mm-hmm. heard. Um, and so, you know, kind of do it. We're in the studio. I'm doing an arrangement in the, with this piano player I'd never worked with before, CJ and I. And we, and you could relate to this. We're we're playing down this song. And we're in, tracks are rolling. You know, we're rolling red lights on. We're playing all the way through the song. And we get to the end, and there's no click. And we're just playing together. Um, and we, we retard. Mm-hmm. We do a retard at the end of the, the last thing. And we... We literally exact same note placement. We looked at the Pro Tool. We were so freaked out, we stretched out the Pro Tools file and looked at it and said, it's like we were brothers that had wow. played together for 40 years. And we just, it was was—we're like, so from that point on, we've just been, you know, friends. he <laughs> he produced like the last two Toto records, I think, or maybe the last three Toto records. Wow. Um, and so, you know, he uses Lukather for stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, is it Mark Riboli? Is it mm-hmm. Mark mm-hmm. um For stuff. But then I'll come in. He'll bring me in on stuff. So he brought me in on this gig. It's 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 a band called Band of Hearts mm-hmm. or King of Hearts. It's Tommy Funderburg on vocals, mm-hmm. um, CJ on uh, on keys, uh, John Patitucci on bass, and Keith Carlock on drums. Wow! <laughs> so I'm like, wow. One of the good things about being a guitar <laughs> player is you get to play with some great drummers.
1: <laughs> wow! You know. Yeah. And so Keith's a beast. And i and you're playing live with them? Yeah, yeah. At the Canning Ooh. Club. <laughs> when is coming up july 12th yeah dude uh, i'm there okay that's amazing okay. yeah yeah because you get to see keith how often yeah. you get to see keith play no never yeah, yeah not nice. in la i
0: get to yeah. re- maybe i'll maybe i can sneak you can be my crew for uh you can help me load in or something dude yeah. <laughs> yeah amazing so yeah so it's fun i've been i uh i took they sent me the tunes in the charts and so i what i was i put all the tunes in like um a uh it's a friday night which yeah, I'm, I'm checking right yeah up. yeah I'm, yeah I <laughs> uh all all the tunes in a row in my in logic right and then I just hit every day since I've had the music I just hit um re- uh, hit play and I just play along with the songs once every day so it's like forty forty five minutes and that way when I get to the set rehearsals you know in a couple weeks all the tunes will just be almost memorized yeah. at that point I think yep. Uh, but I'm not a live guy. I don't do a lot of live stuff. But that's yeah. why I like my church, because it's a big church, lots of cameras. So I, I don't really deal with nerves too much. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. You kind of get used to when you're in front of a lot of people. You you don't really have to you know, deal with that. So I can jump in on other gigs. CJ brings me in. It's one of the funnest things I do every year. And we go to Louisville to do the Muhammad Ali Humanitarian Awards. Wow. And they just treat us like royalty. Right. So it's just so much fun to go there, and they pay us really well, and they take us out for meals. We don't—we're not allowed to take our wallets out of our pocket. But well, I love those wow. gigs. Yeah, you know. In fact, I think CJ just did, like, a, was on on Paul Allen's boat for three weeks because he was friends with Paul Allen. So he just did like this tribute thing and traveled the world on Paul Allen's yacht. Wow, <laughs> so, rough, pretty rough. That's CJ's a got a cool life. Yeah, I mean, that's a gig, man. I could tell CJ stories <laughs> all, all for a two-hour podcast. <laughs> He's got some great ones. Wow.
1: Um, anyway so that's cool man I'm coming on the 12th that's great okay cool that'd that's be fun awesome, that'd
0: man. be fun I'll have a familiar face out there because I'm not going to yeah, know man. anybody I'm a, yeah it's funny because uh, and, and I I thought I was the only guitar player but I found out today there's going to be another guitar player where I was so relieved because there's so many guitars on the record but the guitar player for the band was the founding member of the band and he just had a stroke mm-hmm. so that's why they're bringing me in because you know, gotcha. he can't do it so uh, but Keith and Patitucci both played on the record
1: in have you Nashville. played with Patatucci before?
0: I have, um, but just
1: hymns. Oh, right. With Fernando right. Ortega. Gotcha. Yeah, that For, makes sense.
0: Yeah, Fernando, yeah. like f- uh, my friend Fernando Ortega is a great singer and piano player and uh, does great arrangements of old hymns. He, uh, he got hired to do uh, a church in Fullerton, and jo- it was me on acoustic guitar and mandolin, Fernando on piano and vocals, and then Patatucci on bass. Man.
1: What an amazing player. Oh, last time we were in New York, Aubrey and I went to see Patitucci play with Al Foster. At oh, uh Smoke, you know, man. Yeah, does he live in night. New York? Mhm. He does I now. Thought so. Yeah, he does now.
0: I mean, I'll be curious if he remembers me. I know he I know he'll remember the gig, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't know if he'll remember that I played with him, but yeah. But it
1: was, Dude, it was cool yeah,
0: it was, It'll be I'm looking forward to seeing it. But Carlock I'm really I've gotten to play With some great drummers I mean you mm. You're one of my Favorite drummers Oh thanks man No it's 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 true And, But I got to, I played with Sugarfoot Who mm-hmm. by the way
1: yeah.
0: He Of anyone He's Only a little bit better At doing John Bonham Than you
1: <laughs>
0: But he Does The foot thing you mean Freaking yeah. Amazing John Bonham Yeah I, You know He was Michael Jackson's Drummer yeah. forever And yep. Madonna's yep. In the 80's live And stuff I've worked with Will, Will toured Japan with Will Kennedy. Yeah, he's, a great he's great drummer. Yeah, and he's left-handed. He plays plays open-handed.
1: He plays lefty on a right-handed kit. Yeah, so yeah. he plays
0: open-handed. Yep. yep. So he's his right hand's hitting a snare, and his left hand's hitting it. That's weird to watch. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, I've played with a lot of great drummers. I'm yep, very
1: very lucky. That's awesome.
0: That's a good reason. That's a reason to be in L.A. Exactly. You get to play with the play best with, in the world.
1: Yep. Yep. I agree.
3: Totally. So after that long introduction, <laughs> let's we're recording. We can start recording now, right? <laughs> right. This has been the easiest show that we've ever
1: done. I told you I could talk forever. I get there Record, go, all brother. The time. Shut up, Tom. When go. It's, like,
0: it's YouTube. What am I supposed to stare at the camera?
1: You guys didn't even notice I went to Starbucks during this. Yeah. and I came back. Yeah, I didn't notice. Yeah. No man, it's, it's no, been great.
3: Uh, so, like, just like, some questions for sure. for uh, people listening. Uh, We like to, we like to focus on people that are starting off in their career Mm -hmm. uh, and hopefully listening to this show. Some tips that, that uh, you would, you would offer beginner.
0: I I heard a great tip the other day and it was one that, uh, do you know Mark Portman? Yeah. Okay, Mark. uh, (laughs) Someone told him, I forget, I think it was, he went to University of Miami, I think. And when he he graduated, they said, when you get to LA, Offer to take musicians to the airport. Wow! Freaking brilliant
1: suggestion. That is, yeah, I've never heard that. That's good.
0: It's a brilliant. And he goes because you've a you're doing someone a solid because that like even your best friend won't take you to the airport. Oh, Dude,
3: literally, yeah. my
1: wife will not drive. Yeah, millions. mine neither. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not joking.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. it's 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 there's no way. Yeah, yeah, and so and it's only going to get worse because apparently they said for the next three years every day is going to be like Thanksgiving is yeah. what they're saying because wow. of the rebuilds they're doing. So it's just gonna be insane. Um and and you've got a captive audience. Mm-hmm. So he, right. he, and I, I don't know the the players, but you you might know the names. But so the first one I think he does is this bass player who's established and he plays in the Rippingtons. Right? Uh, okay, yeah. I don't know who that is. The guitar player is the leader of the Rippingtons, right? right. Okay. I don't know that band very well. I don't know. Well, Mark's telling me the story over coffee. Like we're getting coffee. He's telling me the story. And and uh he drops the guy off at the airport and then the guy flies and does a fly date. You know, two days later he comes back and Mark picks him up and takes him home. Like, seriously, are you kidding me? You did that really? He goes, Yeah. And and on the way back, he goes, So wait a minute, what do you play now? He goes, Oh, I'm a keyboard player. And he goes, like, can you cover? Do you, do you know the Rippin' of music? And he goes, Well, yeah, I know some of it. Goes, Well, we're having an audition. Uh, we'd like you. Would you? We're auditioning keyboard players. I, I, I think you might. You know, why don't you? I'll give you a shot here. We'd learn. Get the new record. Learn it. Learn a new record. Well, Mark not only learned and memorized the new record, he learned and memorized their entire catalog. Wow. So he shows up at the audition. And he play, they pick out a couple of tunes from the new record and he kills it. And then the, he was the last guy auditioning. And um they they said, Okay, thank you so much. And he goes, Well, you know, are you guys gonna rehearse? He goes, Yeah, we're gonna do some old stuff. Well, which one? He goes, Well, do you know this song? And he goes, Oh yeah. He starts playing it. <laughs> it's like you got the gig. Yeah. Did it for years.
1: So create the opportunity for yourself and then over prepare. Right over
0: prepare is definitely key. Yep. Um, Here's another example of that, uh, Matt uh, Greg Bissonette. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me that he um, he really really wanted to get the gig with David Lee Roth. Have you heard this story? I haven't. Um, and so he um, he somehow finagles. It's a cattle call. It's a huge cattle call, but it's still by invite, still call, and you have to get the invite. He f- somehow had a friend that played. Golf with someone who played golf with David Lee Rothstone. So somehow he got an invite. So he's sitting there in this room full of drummers. And a guy comes out and he's shaking his head. And, and, and uh, Greg goes, what's wrong? He goes, oh, man, they had some mixed meter stuff. It just, oh, just, I couldn't keep track. And so he gets his backpack and he pulls out a Sharpie and puts it in his pocket so he can write on this drum snare head. Make mm-hmm. notes. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus. Next guy comes out. He's shaking his head and he's like, "What?" He goes, "Oh, they have a double kick and they're kicking there, and I'm just not a double kick player." So immediately he starts warming up his double kick feet. Mm-hmm. You know, Greg's getting his feet going, and uh, and so um, another guy walks out and and he goes. He goes, well, how'd it go in there? He goes, yeah, they're looking for a heavy hitter. I'm a jazz guy; it wasn't going to work. And so he gets his five A's out. Is that right? I don't
1: know sticks, but no, with, no, but I know what you mean.
0: Yeah, the heaviest <laughs> stick he right. has.
1: You know, he gets it, and he sits
0: down in the audition, and it's Steve Vai and David Lee Ross not there. It's Steve Vai, and the bass player was Stu Ham. Yeah,
2: that's
0: was it Stu Hamm, yeah. man? Um, And he takes out that stick, and he just goes. Hits his snare as hard as he can hit it. And literally, Vi jumps out of his skin. <laughs> scared the crap out of Vi. And then Vi looks at him and kind of goes, all right, kid. <laughs> all right.
1: right. You have our attention.
0: Yeah, you have our attention. And you got the gig.
1: Yeah, You know, it's like pay attention. Have your radar up and learn- everything you can around you. Yeah, you,
0: you know, yeah. today we'd be on our phone looking at Instagram pictures yeah. and looking at guys playing that we wish were them instead of paying attention to what's going on around you. Right. You know, so I think those are two good tips for... Oh, definitely. ...for, for young young players. Um, and also, there's so many things you can monetize now. Um, and uh, people... The Instagram stuff, I mean, that one... Uh, what, the guitar player, uh, what's the kid? He does the kind of R&B stuff. He tours with uh, Tori Kelly. Um can't think of his name but he's he became instant instagram famous basically and uh just because he kept putting up these really cool solo guitar things um and uh, you know the youtube thing was a complete shock for me and it's not paying my mortgage yet but that's my next goal
1: passive income dude yeah it's What's totally up?
0: passive income yeah and, uh, if I, in fact, it's funny because my view count goes up if I don't make videos. <laughs> so it's like, oh, it's like they... YouTube is paying me to keep my face off the internet,
1: you know? That's very mm. passive income. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's <about laughs> passive as you passive get.
0: So, um, yeah. And then I, I, I was listening to, um, one of the previous podcasts and being overprepared when I, I met, um, I don't know if you know, Richard Smith, the guitar player, ta- uh, was head of the J- studio jazz program over at USC. And um, I met him in Pasadena at, at an event he was playing at, and a mutual friend um, was was there. Uh, you know, uh, Jonathan Barry. Yeah, yeah. And Jonathan, and the three of us were talking, mm-hmm. and Jonathan said, "Hey, uh, Tom's uh, Tom's a worship leader and a you know church guitar player, and, and Richard Richard Smith. Hey, hey, would you be interested in teaching a clinic at at uh, at USC on this? You know?" I said, "Yeah, sure. Why not? You know, that'd be fun." And uh, I. Um, you know, I followed up. I emailed him literally that he gave me that card. I emailed him that night and I said, I would seriously love to do this. It'd be a lot of fun. And uh, so he goes, okay, let me see what I can do. And like two days later, he calls or emails me and said, Hey, I set up a meeting with the Dean. Can you do this meeting with the Dean of the school of music? I said, Oh shoot. Are you kidding? And so I went, okay. So I, and this was before Google. So I'm like going to Yahoo and you're going mm-hmm. to Yahoo communities mm-hmm. and I'm looking for like I want to go to this meeting prepared and, I go to this, and I'm just supposed to teach a clinic, like one class, right? Mm-hmm. I print up all these pages of jobs because I know a lot of guys graduating from USC is like, what do I do now? I got a degree that I just paid tens of thousands of dollars for. How do I get work? And there's churches all over the country hiring worship leaders, you know, 50, $60,000 a year, you know, it's a pretty good start. And, um, and, There was um, also uh, I I downloaded a bunch of curriculum from different schools that were, you know, I said, this is what some schools are teaching. But uh, in in the music departments of different Christian schools doing worship stuff, because that's what they wanted me to teach the clinic on was like worship guitar playing or worship leading. Mm -hmm. And so I go there and I'm nervous. I mean, I I dropped out of college, you know, because I just was too busy working. So I couldn't keep my grades up. So I'm I'm kind of feeling like a fish out of water here on USC campus because it's got the best reputation. And I go to this meeting, and the dean was the coolest guy. He goes, I just want to let you know that I started out my career as a rock guitar player, and the last 30 years I've been a, a choir director at churches, so I know exactly where you're coming from. You totally put me at ease.
2: Hmm, that's cool.
0: And I started talking about what I envisioned my cl- clinic to be, or you know maybe it was even a class. In, and, and Richard's sitting there, and he goes, Dean, I'm an atheist, but I want all my students to take Tom's class. And I said, <laughs> class? I thought it was going to be a clinic. He goes, no, no, I think it should be a class. And, and Dean goes, no, no, I think it should be a degree program. Would you be interested in creating a master's <laughs> degree program at USC? And I said, what? <laughs> I said, I got 10 names of people that be more qualified to do it than me.
2: Yeah.
0: And he goes, no, no, no. Because I just done this pitch. I wasn't realizing it. I was pitching for a, a clinic, right, Did like you, a one-hour, three hundred dollar clinic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: right.
0: <laughs> and I, I'm like, going, well, if I create a master's degree program, my kids can go to USC for free, and my son's there now. So it's like that would be really nice, but it never happened. It was it, the um, university is very political, and so it's and and Richard kind of went to the departments and just said, oh, you got to take on Tom, this contemporary music stuff. And they're like the choral department and the, and the sacred music department are like, oh, heck no. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, I didn't get to pitch it. If I got to pitch it, I would have, it probably would have been fine. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Richard went on sabbatical. And so, you know, it was fine. It was actually really, really good thing. Cause I had a friend that, uh, uh, that was the head of the classical department, um, James Smith. And he, he said, "Yeah, yeah. Getting tenured cost me my first marriage, and I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm not interested in sacrificing right. anything for that, you know. And I like doing, I like teaching, but I, I, I like, prefer to do, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, I'm yep. probably just insulted a bunch of people, but no,
3: no, I think there's some of the 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 themes of the conversation just keep coming up, which is seizing an opportunity yeah. and treating that opportunity." with everything going full force at it, whether it, it pans out to be something or not, right? like just going and giving everything that you've got uh, in that moment and seeing what happens. But what's super fascinating to me is all the stories that you've told, uh, the ones that haven't gone the way that, that you know we would have liked, you still maintain a positive attitude about it. Like, oh, like yeah. the, the, I think that's like the, be- the biggest thing that I've, I've taken away from the conversation right here is, uh, have you read the book Mindset? No. Okay, so it's like you are the the model for the growth <laughs> mindset of of just like being positive and and approaching situations with like let's just see what happens And I you know like and I'm I got it I'm all in let's go for it yeah, yeah, and learning from I, that.
0: I try not to step on toes. I'm not trying to climb on other people's backs necessarily. Mm-hmm. So you know when when I say you know look for opportunities, I don't mean like I, I you know I, I hired the musicians in my church and and I subbed out myself one time with another guitar player who will be on. Un- we will keep nameless, and I found out from everybody at church that he was trying to, you know, get session work with everybody that I was working with there, right. you know. And I never, I never called him again, you know. I wouldn't do that to any, yeah. of, my, any of my friends. Yeah. Um, I've even turned down work when I found out that my friend, it was a friend of mine, that was the guitar player. I'm like, yeah, just keep using him, you know. Right. Um, but you're right. There, there are opportunities that are completely organic. And, and if they don't pan out, they don't pan out. It's, it's you know, mm-hmm. it, yeah, the, the the opportunities, the Bieber stuff. I mean, it's hard to have some of the big picture on that, but um, when a song doesn't come out and you're like, dang it, that would have been a game changer. Mm-hmm. And even the single stuff, you know, having songs um, uh, with Justin that, that come out, but they're not singles. And part of that's my fault. Um, it's interesting, I... Uh, I write, like, I've got a song, uh, Not For Nothing, that Nico and Vince recorded, that Pooh Bear and I wrote. And they had a huge hit on the previous record. Um, Am I Wrong was their big hit. They were from Norway. Am I Wrong? They had this really cool kind of clicky drum thing. And um, I did this really cool kind of... Funky soul guitar thing, and I I love playing. Like I've got this ninety nine dollar cheap Squire guitar that I love the sound of for funk and soul stuff. So I use it on these records because it just has this lo fi quality to it that's perfect. And um I just get you know it just sounded so good. Well, the problem was it's they I I, I hear the track they send me the track and I'm like, you gonna put beats on it and a bass sense anything. Oh no! Just the guitar sounds so good. We're just putting vocals. Yeah, but that's not radio. <laughs> look at this song. I get like twelve cents a quarter from it. it was you know? it was like, give me, come on, make it, make it sound like a hit. Oh no, we don't want to mess up your guitars. It's like, dang it, I got to do bad, worse guitars. You know, it's just like I, I'm my own worst enemy in that regard. But I can't help. That's how I work. I don't yeah. have a choice. You know, yeah. it's funny. I'll after we're off the air, I can play you some things that I did. That you know, it was like, oh man, it sounds great, but it's not a hit because yeah. they didn't make it into one so how, how do you
3: advise people to overcome adversity like and maintain positive attitude uh,
0: yeah that's a uh, well for me you know it's it's having god with me in the trenches doesn't hurt mm-hmm. and keeping that perspective um because literally my career didn't get going until my late 40s i would say i've been here since i was 21 so when people say, hey, you know, you, you're so lucky you get to do it. I said, yeah, I want to do that. Do you, are you willing to wait 20 years for it to happen? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and and most of that 20 years truth. was just a lot of it just pain, keeping your eyes open and asking stupid questions, almost to the point of people being annoyed with you asking so many questions. Mm-hmm. Like, how does this work? So how do you get a publishing deal? How do you get, you know, all that stuff, you know? And, um, uh, it's especially stuff, you know, you have to ask before there was the internet where you could look some of this stuff up, but the problem with the internet is you can get 500 versions of what the truth is, you know, or the best way. Um, So uh, for me, it was, I, I, I don't, I probably, I would say the thing is I never saw any of it as adversity. I just saw it as lack of opportunity. You know, it just wasn't, the doors weren't opening for me. I never mm-hmm. went on tour with anybody. I didn't know that there was a, an agency that actually, you know, mm-hmm. put tours together and people, if you knew an MD, you could get on tour. I'm so glad I didn't go on tour because I love being at home with my wife and kids. I yeah. really love that. And so I, we homeschooled. And I, I never missed a minute of my kids' lives. You know, my oldest is a great guitar player and record producer. And, and uh, my second oldest, Jack is uh, mm-hmm. an engineer it, it, it does Mars stuff at JPL, getting his master's at USC. It's crazy. So, you know, it's, it's fun to have been part of that and not, you know, feel like you missed out too much. Mm-hmm. And I know so many musicians that are on the road so much that they just don't know, the, you know, their, their wives or their kids or they don't have wives anymore because they just, you know. Yeah. So, it, you know, what you might call adversity, and I would call more like for me, it was lack of opportunity. I didn't really have, I, I don't feel like I had a headwind. I just didn't have any wind.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: um and some you know we know players that had ta- uh, tailwinds i mean uh, uh ron uh dan, uh, dan huff mm-hmm. he came to la i think two weeks after me and i came to la i didn't know anybody i'm like okay here i want to be the next steve lukather i want to play on michael jackson records and but how do you do that i didn't know anybody you know i started playing with some front you know people i met and doing some guitar lessons that was it Dan Huff shows up six weeks after he gets here. He's got a gig with da- with David Bowie. I'm like, dang it! <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got stories like that too. Trust me. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So it's it's yeah. you know, and then he ends up moving. In fact, he had a, he's I li- I watched a video about him, and he would it was crazy. Like he made it seem like he lived in L.A., but he really didn't. He because his dad was Ron Huff, who was a big, uh, I think a ranger in Nashville. So he was grew up in the studios. So where I was nervous when that red light came on, Dan was like, big deal. There's a red light.
2: Right.
0: Um, and so, but he would literally back when he could, he would freight fly his rig to LA for sessions. And then back he had one of those big refrigerator rigs like Michael Thompson and wow. all those guys. And uh, he would fly the you know, fly it back and forth or something. He's like crazy. Just to make it seem like he lived in LA. He lost money on every session.
1: Mm-hmm. But but he had the big picture in mind. That's right. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah. So um and yeah. So uh and adversity I think it's a little easier to handle if you're if you're partnered with someone I mean I've got a great wife that has mm-hmm. been insanely patient. We just bought our first house after 31 years of marriage. We lived in the same apartment for 31 years.
1: Wow, congratulations.
0: And we just bought our first house. So awesome. it's yeah, and it'd probably be our only house. <laughs> we're never moving again. Are you <laughs> still in Pasadena? No, we're in Granada Hills now. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of we tried to buy in Pasadena this doesn't need to be
2: <laughs> but oh,
0: we tried we just kept getting outbid it was just too many too much competition yeah really because we love Pasadena but it's just too much competition so uh, I'm really liking where we're living and I've got a quiet space to do my work and it's just I'm you know it's it's really fun just having a place of my own because uh and that was the other thing you know I, we were managing the apartment building
1: that's right
0: yeah I remember that and yeah. so I did that up until April wow you know and uh it allowed – that was one of those things that allowed me to stay in the business because we didn't have rent to pay. Wow. Yeah. For 25 years, we didn't pay rent. Living in Old Town, Pasadena. And then we and I did rent the apartment next door and turned that into my studio and then blew a door through. You've been there. And then put – so it, I ended up with a four-bedroom apartment for like 800 – not even 500 a month or something <laughs> like that in, in Old Town, Pasadena.
3: Unbelievable. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's crazy. So, you know, um, and the boys took that over. They're they're still there and cool. they're managing. Cool. And um and but you know, I loving not having the distractions, uh loving not having neighbors around me, mm-hmm. not having to worry about making noise. I can do banjo any time of the day.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know, I didn't like to do banjo at night because that would annoy people.
1: You're right where you belong. Yeah, right. They, I mean, to be fair, banjo could annoy people at any time. Of the day. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. three instruments
0: that are the most <laughs> annoying, right? It's a banjo, bagpipes, and sitar, and it's because they all have drone notes. Uh, ah, yeah. Banjo has the. You play banjo at all? I do not. Yeah. No. Banjo has a the, the string on the high the, the in the thumb position is mm-hmm. your, is just a G string, just. You just constantly nonstop. Yeah. So. Um, wow. Well,
3: <laughs> this has definitely been the longest podcast that we've done. Uh, <laughs> but in a in such a positive way. This has been a, a great time listening to you and just your energy is incredible. I mean oh, well, like thanks, man. I mean people can't see it or feel it cuz you know I hope hopefully, no, tra- hopefully it translates. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but let's let's get yeah. into that um uh, because you I mean it's really been a pleasure like getting to sit here and oh, yeah, and know you. Just yeah. great Appreciate vibes that. all the way through. It's Appreciate it's that. so cool. Uh, where can people find you? Like tell us your YouTube channel or yeah, your social handles.
0: youtube.com slash tstraley. So that's T-S-T-R-A-H-L-E. Um, or you could just go to YouTube and enter Tom Straley. But you know, if you do, if you type in S-T-R-A, it probably will show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't, and I don't really do Instagram, anything on Instagram, Twitter, anything like that. I mean, I have Twitter and Instagram, but I, it's more just for, uh, seeing what my friends are doing. Got anything, you know, keeping up on people. My kids, uh, Instagram's mostly kids and friends and stuff like that.
3: And the people are listening, we got to get them to subscribe so that they can cover the mortgage, right? We're going,
0: we're going that way. Let's get that monthly to the mortgage amount. Yeah, that would be amazing. (laughs) You're closing
1: in on a milestone of 50,000.
0: I I, I am at 49,000 subscribers right now, and uh, I'm planning on doing a giveaway. I got a couple, uh, couple companies to give me some stuff, so I've got. Uh, a Voodoo Lab pedal to give away and like six sets of Elixir strings. So, um, so I'm probably gonna gonna do that. I got to figure out the best way to do the giveaway. That's that's one of the and that's something you I probably should do if it works if it has a lot of subscribers. Uh, this is I think it's called Gleam, and they do they they will run the giveaway for you. And It's mm. really 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 cool. I mean I saw some people talking about how to do giveaways on YouTube and you can do it like. They get they'll get two credits, you know, like, you know, two entries, uh, say for subscribing,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or if they share, you know, they'll get another entry, or if they do a good deed, you can set it up so if they do a good deed, you get an entry. Well, that's on your honor, but you know, you, <laughs> that's cool. You give someone an entry for doing a good deed. Right. Uh, uh, if you you know subscribe to if you follow me on Twitter, you get another entry. You know, you, it has every social media thing in the system already. So if anybody does any of those things through, through the entry, um, then, uh, they get more entries and then you get all those extra, you know, subscribers and stuff like that. So that's cool. It's all automated. It's all automated. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's really cool. So I'm open to, uh, uh, you know, maybe next time I'm here, I can talk about how how successful that was. We'll see. (laughs) Perfect.
3: (laughs) And any final advice you want to leave the audience with?
0: I, I, I I do think collaborate is is still collaborating. I, 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 when I taught clinics, I, they taught us before I did clinics of, to have one point that you wanted to make um, and make that at the beginning and at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think um, I, th- I think just collaborating with the people, I think younger people are really good at that too. Uh, when they're getting out, started out in the business, I think that they don't have a choice. They don't, you know, they, they can't afford to buy a, hire a drummer. So let's collab, let's, you know, mm-hmm. work with a drummer and a bass player. We can't afford a, a producer or whatever. So where they, they all work together. You know, my son does that a lot. He's, he works with a lot of people and they're all contributing and they're all getting a piece of some future pie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I, and I think also don't, don't sacrifice, you know, it, uh, I mean, don't have such, so high standards musically that you, no one can reach, you know, nobody's going to appreciate what you're doing, but also, you know, don't, don't sacrifice what you really want to do. Uh, kind of keep your eye. I mean, I literally came here to do studio work and didn't get any, you know, I would do a session a month maybe for years and years and years, you know? And so now there, I, I almost spend more of my time with the red light on than off. Uh, Because I'm constantly recording either something for me or somebody else. So, yeah.
3: Amazing. Really great conversation. Dave, anything you want to close out with? Thanks for being here, man. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No (laughs) doubt. So, when do we start?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was a rehearsal, right? (laughs) Uh, Story for
1: a future episode. Tom is uh, the reason I am married. Oh, all right. The reason I know my wife. Yeah.
0: That's right. Talk about that later. Sorry about that. (laughs) Part two of the episode. (laughs) He exists because of me. There you go. Isn't that weird?
3: All right. (laughs) To all you listening, please go and check out Tom's uh, site and and, uh, on YouTube. And let's get that mortgage covered. (laughs) (laughs) We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.
1: Thanks for listening to Musician Mindset with Dave Johnstone and Jason Land. You can contact the show through Facebook and Instagram at Musician Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes.